This is God's word. Not Pastor Che's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I just give you thanks for your word this morning. And I thank you, Lord God, that, Father, you've put a word in my heart for your people. I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord God, you would wear me like a glove this morning. That you'd be the substance of what is said and what is done. That people would hear, even beyond my voice, yours, in the deep recesses of their hearts. That we would leave this place different than we came in. We promise, Lord God, at the end of it all, to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, and everyone say, Amen, Amen. amen. Would you uh, please be seated and open your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew chapter 22, the book of Matthew chapter 22. We'll be looking at Matthew 22, and um, as as we get prepared for this, uh, all of us have relationship rules in our lives. Um, there are these internal thoughts, these, uh, this code of conduct that we're not even aware of in how we treat and respond to people based on what we've grown up with, based on our background, based on our family. All of us have them. But for example, you may have a rule that says, do unto others as they have done unto you. Amen. I know that rule is alive and well in my house. In fact, in my house, it's more like do unto others more than they have done unto you. So why are you crying? Because she hit me. Why did she hit you? Because I touched her. Somehow it gets worse every time. Or some, some of us have rules like this. Do unto others before they get a chance to do it to you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And, and we have these internal rules, these, these things about us. And a lot of times it's based on where we come from and our backgrounds and our family and kind of just how we've learned to deal with the world. And then many of us became Christians. And we became Christians and the code of conduct, although it should have changed, a lot of times it came right over with us into this new family that we have. And so we, we have this loving God who does all this good stuff for us. And we say, you know what, God, I love you and I can deal with you, but it's your children I really have a problem with. Let me understand what I'm saying. No. Amen. You know, it's like church would be perfect if it weren't for the church members. If I could just walk in and have a praise and worship leader all for myself and just have a preacher just for me and then leave. In fact, you know what? Some people, and don't listen, this doesn't happen here, but some people actually come to church late and leave church early. Would you believe that? (laughs) Just so that they don't interact with those church people. 
And then Jesus, though, says, wait a minute. You're using the same code of conduct, the same relationship rules as you did before you got saved in this new place. But that's not how I operate. That's not how it works in my family. It may have worked like that in your family. But now you're in my family and things are different. Let's look at Matthew 22 verse 36. We've been talking about this, um, this passage for a while. Matthew 22 verse 36. And this is Jesus speaking. And here, here's what happens. Uh, they're, they're, they're talking to Jesus and um, the Pharisees are talking to him. And uh, they decided they wanted to ask him a question. So verse 36, they said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Uh, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And all the Pharisees said, Amen. I'm not saying that you're Pharisees. I'm just saying the Pharisees at the time said amen. Because if there was one thing about the Pharisees that they were really good at, is showing everybody that they love God. And they were real experts at showing people, I love God. Here's, here's, for example, they used to um, go in the middle of the street and just pray loud and long prayers so that everyone would know, man, these guys can pray. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Man, that boy can bring heaven down. Hallelujah. They're a real prayer warrior. You understand? Or they used to walk around and they used to dress a particular way so that you knew they were holy today. Today. Amen? The thing about Pharisees is that Pharisees used to uh, put ashes on their heads so everyone would know when they were fasting. Uh, they used to have these things on their heads called phylacteries. Oh, big word. It was a little box that contained the commandments. So they used to put it right here. And then they'd wrap their thing around it. Because somewhere in the Old Testament it said, you must always keep these laws before your eyes. So they'd put it right there. Isn't that something else? But what their whole thing was is that, listen, compared to you, I'm better. That was their thing. Compared to you, I'm better. I love God. And then Jesus said, and the second is like unto it. And the Pharisees said, hold on one second. We didn't ask you for a second one. We asked you for what? One command. What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, I understand what you asked me for. But I have to give you a second because the first can't operate without the second. Without the second, the first is really ineffective. In other words, hey, if you pray and you fast and you do all these things, but it doesn't lead you to loving God more, then you just wasted your time. And if you prayed and you fast and it doesn't lead you, listen to this, to loving people more. Man, if you read the whole Bible and you don't love people any more than when you began, you just wasted a whole lot of time. Because reading a Bible is not an end in itself. Reading the Bible is supposed to help you become more like Christ. How many of you are with me this morning so far? And so, Jesus says, The second is like on the first, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we spoke about loving ourselves. But let's talk a little bit about loving our neighbor. 
Because a lot of times we think the neighbor is the guy who's going to break down in his car somewhere down the road. And Lord, if you ever send me by somebody like that, I'll help him fix his tire. But how many of you know that your neighbor lives in your house with you? How many of you know that the person who sleeps with you at night happens to be your neighbor? And how many of you know, I mean, if you're married, <laughs> just saying, I'm not saying you should go and sleep with your neighbor. Look, listen, just get this right. Your wife is your neighbor, is what I'm saying. Your husband is your neighbor. Your kids are your neighbors. Here's what I'm saying. This commandment applies to you regardless of who you're dealing with, not just the stranger who you'll never see again. And so Jesus says, hey, listen, you can't, watch this, love God and not love people. Because, I want to hear this, the health and maturity of your relationship with God is measured by the health and maturity of your relationship with the people He has put in your life. I'm going to say it again. The health and maturity of your relationship with God is measured, is tested, is evaluated based on the health and maturity of your relationship with the people He has put in your life. In other words, this isn't right if this isn't right. Oh, I'm going somewhere with this. I hope you're getting this this morning. Uh, right now is our uh, end of year and my kids are about to set some tests. And here's the thing about end of year tests. The teachers don't assume that what they taught, the students learned. And so what they do is they test them to evaluate whether what they taught is what they got. Are you with me? In the same way, God says, the way I measure your love to me is by looking at your love to each other. That's the test. The test of your time in your prayer closet is worked out in this. Because if you think you can do this without this, he says, you've got it all mixed up. You're in the ra- you don't understand my family. You don't understand our family rules. God says, I measure how much you love me by the love you show to others. You see, for, for many of us, man, it would be so cool if we could just run off like monks and just go in the hills and just be alone with God. And, oh, say, oh, Lord. You know what I'm It's just me and Jesus. So many times you talk to people, you say, hey, look, well, this is about me and Jesus. This is about me and Jesus. I don't care what they say. This is about me and Jesus. But Jesus says, you know what? All of that don't impress me. That doesn't impress me. What impresses me is if you're treating people the way I treat you. Matthew, let's turn over. Let me show you some of our scriptures just to, to back this up. Matthew 5, verse 23. Matthew 5, verse 23. It's so good because we sometimes and i hear this happen so often so many people think they're making these decisions that are bad for relationships but they think that god endorses them because god understands 
Now a guy walked into the office one time and uh, Pastor Evan and I were talking to him and he was, you know, going through a, a situation where he wanted to divorce his wife. And um, so we said to him, well, what does God want? And he says, you know what? God understands that this time I don't need to do it his way. I'll get back on track after I've disobeyed. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Matthew 5, verse 23. Are you with me? Matthew 5, 23. Here's what the Bible says. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, do what? Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Thank you so much. I needed that for my eyes right there. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, before you talk to me, talk to them. So don't talk to me if you haven't talked to them. Oh my word. Listen, so because we're coming here and we're going, it's, oh God, I love you. And he says, you remember that person that you have an issue with? Oh God, I love you, I love you, I love you. He says, come on man, stop, put your hands down, go deal with the person. Go deal with that. And then you can come back to me. All right, let's, let's look at another one because you, you don't believe me. First John 4. First John 4. I know some of you are thinking, but you don't understand. You don't understand all that person is. You don't understand what they've done. First John 4, verse 20. It, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a what? He's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And then look at this. And this is the commandment we have from him. That he who loves God, what's the next word? What's that word? What's that word? This is not an option. He doesn't say, he who loves God should... Or please, if you love me, try. He says, he who loves God must love his brother. In other words, here's what God's saying. There isn't a separation between this and this. That we can't say, this is rotten, but this is great. God says, no way. If this isn't good, this isn't good either. Because this cares about this. When I'm speaking to you here, I'm really speaking to you about this. And so, Jesus, in John chapter 13, this is so good. John chapter 13. Because here's, here's what First John is saying. If you think you're tight with God, but you're not doing well in your relationships, then you're confused. Lord, have mercy on me. John 13, verse 34. Uh, let, let, me, let me give you a little background to this. So here it is. This is the Last Supper. Jesus has just had the Last Supper, and then he gets up and he washes the disciples' feet. Everybody remember that story? And he washes the disciples' feet. And then uh, Judas gets up and Judas leaves. Because, you know, he's got to do what he's got to do, right? 
And Jesus is on his way. And then Jesus realizes, hey, I don't have much time left. So I've got to now share with everybody the last, like, this is like the important stuff. I need to let you know some stuff before we go. Because, I mean, we were 12, now we're 11. And who knows how much we'll count down to be. And so let me just try and get some stuff out while I have a majority of you here right now. So he starts off and he says, uh, John uh, 13, he's right about, let's, let's look at verse 31. He says, uh, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in Him. If God is glorified in Him, God will also glorify Him in Himself and glorify Him immediately. And of course, all the disciples are kind of confused and not sure what he's talking about. Then he says, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. Now I say this to you. And Peter goes, um, uh, what do you mean I can't come with you? Because you know Peter. Peter's like, he's got his knife. <laughs> he's like, what do you mean you can't? Does James get to go? Because if James is going, I'm coming. Like, there is no way you're leaving here without me coming with you. And wherever you go, Jesus, I'm going with you. You can't go because Ch- Peter's a bad boy. You understand what I mean? I mean, that's all Peter cares about. Peter's the bodyguard. And so Jesus goes on and he says, um, So, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. And the disciples think to themselves, that's not new at all. Um, Jesus, don't you know the Old Testament says, love one another? You should because you wrote it. (laughs) You, You should know. You've said this to us so many times, love one another. You said love your neighbor as yourself. You said all that kind of stuff. This isn't really new. So I don't understand how this is a new commandment. But then he doesn't stop there. He says, guys, you don't understand. I'm not just saying love one another, love one another. I am saying, watch this, next two words. As I have loved you, love one another. Only circle two words, as I, in your Bible, if you can. Just, or highlight it or something. As I. Here's what he was saying. Guys, I'm not saying to love one another the way you love one another. You see, you have these rules about love before you met me. But when you met me, you saw something different from the way you used to live. You saw a different kind of love. Uh, Nathaniel, remember when I came to meet you? Remember what you said? You were sitting under that tree. You remember what you said? You remember? He said, hey, guess what? Andrew came to you and said, hey, guess what? Nathaniel, we found the Messiah. He's from Nazareth. And what did you say, Nathaniel? You said, can anything good come from Nazareth? You dissed me, you dissed my family, you dissed my friends, you dissed all my neighbors. And what did I do, Nathaniel? I still accepted you. That's how I want you to love one another. Uh, Peter, remember when I found you? Remember what you were? You were a cussing fisherman. In fact, before the night is over, you're going to be a cusser again. But Peter, how did I treat you? I loved you anyway. You remember that? You remember how I treated uh, uh, Zacchaeus? Remember that guy who was uh, robbing from everybody? How did I treat him? I had a party at his house. You remember that? You guys didn't even want to come. But you know what? I treated him with so much love that you saw something in me that you weren't willing to give. I am saying to you guys, the way I treat you is how I want you to treat other people. Oh, 
See, it changes now. It changes now. Because guess what? Uh, God expects me, watch this. God expects me to now respond to others the way He responds to me, not the way they respond to me. Oh, you got to hear this. You got to hear this. You got to hear this. Jesus was saying, I am not concerned about how they treat you. I'm concerned about how I treat you because how I treat you is how I want you to treat them. Oh, it takes everything to a whole brand new level because now I'm not responding to you based on you. I'm responding to you based on Him. And if He treats me this good, then who am I not to treat you that good? Oh, you're not even hearing me. Listen, I came into this relationship where God forgave me of everything. So why should I hold you up? If I'm not basing my relationship on what you do, I'm basing it on what He does. Are you with me? He accepted me with all my junk. So why am I rejecting you when He accepted me when I was rejectable? No, I need to accept you. Why, why am I giving, why, he gave me another chance. Why am I not giving you another chance? I need to treat you based on how he treats me, not based on your behavior. Matthew 10, 8 says this, freely you have received, come on, freely do what? Give. Freely you've received, freely give. Jesus is saying, what I gave you, I expect you to give to others. Did you work for it? Then don't expect them to work for it. Oh my gosh. You're not hearing me. I said, did you work for it? No. Then don't expect them to work for it. Man, what would happen if I treated my wife the way Jesus treated me? Oh my gosh. What would happen if I treated my husband the way Jesus treated me? Oh, man, things running through your mind, but listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. God's relationship to me is the standard that I need to keep for my relationship to others. God's relationship to me is the standard by which I need to relate to other people. It's not based on them, it's based on Him. Last scripture, Ephesians chapter 4. How many of you are getting something out of this this morning? Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. I want to show you something real quick. Ephesians chapter 4. You know, Paul is talking to the Ephesians, and Paul is trying to explain something to them about their calling in Christ. He's trying to explain something to them. He's trying to let them understand that this relationship doesn't work if this relationship is off. Now we've got to get this right for this to be right. Mm-hmm. In order for this to be... Look, do you know all over the Bible? Hey, Peter said one time in, in the book of First Peter, he said, listen guys, you better love your wives according to, to knowledge. Because if you and them are in issues, if you have arguments, if you're messed up with your wife, guess what? The Lord will not hear your prayers. I'm just telling you that God takes this relationship with each other really seriously. He's looking down. I say this to my kids all the time. I go, listen, guys, do I treat you like that? So why you treat your brother like that? Why you treat your sister like that? Do I speak to you that way? Then why are you speaking to each other like that? So if it's true on a human level, 
How much more so is it on a spiritual level? How much more is it that God from heaven says, I don't treat you like that. You have gotten so much from me. Why would you starve others of the grace I've given you? Why would you hold them to a higher standard than I've held you to? I'm trying to help you this morning. The radical change in your relationships would be just phenomenal if you thought before you did anything, in light of what Jesus has done for me, I will. In light of what He did for me, I will. If you use that as your rule, if you said, I will treat others the way He treated me, do unto others the way God has done unto me, it will transform your relationships. Here's what Ephesians 4 says. I therefore, verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy. Someone say worthy. Worthy of the calling with, with which you are called. In other words, you are invited into this relationship. You are called. And he says, I want you to now behave in a way that is in sync with the calling that you've been called. That lines up with this calling. Look at this. You would think that the next thing he would say is, don't miss church. Make sure you read your Bible daily and pray often. Because that would be a walk worthy of the calling. He doesn't say that. That's not even where he goes. Look where Paul goes. He says, with all lowliness. In other words, here's a, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In other words, it's all about relationships. To walk worthy of the calling has everything to do with how you treat each other. Why would he say humble? Right? He says lowliness, that's humble. Because God humbled himself. For us. Uh, He put your feelings and your needs and your issues ahead of his own. Now he says, now I want you to humble yourself for other people. Because if you are going to live a life worthy of the call, you have to do to others what I have done to you. Uh, The word gentle means self-controlled. In other words, here's what he's saying. God could have powered up and just simply said, you're all wrong, you're all going to hell. That wasn't a cuss word, that's a place. You're all going... (laughs) had to clarify because you know people say I was cussing in church you're all going he could have just powered up but you know he didn't do that you know what he did he was self-controlled watch this God God didn't look at my offenses and respond to my offenses instead he responded so that I could get free of the offenses that I committed then he says this here here what he says he says also be long-suffering or be patient not because they deserve it i got to get this through you. Not because they deserve it, but because I did it to you. None of this is based on whether the person deserves it or not. All of this is based on the fact that you didn't either. And he says, bear with one another. In other words, bear with those who are unbearable. 
Bear with those who are unbearable because I bore with you through all the stuff you went through. You didn't deserve it, but I did it anyway because I love you. And I'm expecting you to love others in the same way that I loved you. And then finally he closes with this. Make every effort to keep the bond of unity. And here's what he says. He's not saying avoid conflict. He's not saying don't confront. He's saying, listen, be as committed to the relationships in your life as I am committed to you. Even if it goes through conflict, even when it goes through tough times, even when it's stressful, he says, be as committed because I was committed when you were denying me. I need you to be committed when they're denying you. I'm, I'm helping you. I'm helping you. I'm helping you. I'm helping you. Come on. Well, what happens is that we lose sight of what God has done for us. And when we lose sight of what he has done for us, we don't pass it on. But imagine with me. I'm closing with this. Imagine with me, what would happen if for the next three months you decided to live like this? Let's just take the summer. I would say, hey, you know what? This summer, I'm going to live this way. I'm going to do to others what Jesus has done to me. I'm going to treat others the way he treated me. I'm going to serve others the way he served me. I'm going to forgive others the way he forgave me. I'm going to have grace towards others the way he has grace towards me. I'm going to give others another chance the way he gave me another. What if all of us decided just for three months that we were going to try to do to others what Christ has done for us? What would our families look like at the end of three months? What would our marriages look like? What kind of spirit would be in our homes? Uh, what, what, what would our, our, our co-workers see? Uh, how would they think differently about Christians? Because all of us know somebody who sounds like they're close to God, but they're mean as a rattlesnake. Amen? That was my Texan right there. Mean as a rattlesnake. But what if we were to do that to our co-workers and our neighbors and our bosses and the people that will lead in our work? What if we were to love them the way Jesus loved us? What would that look like? Why don't you bow your heads with me for a moment? You know, there are people who come to our church every week and when we meet them, we realize they haven't been to church in many, many years, in many months. And part of the reason why they haven't is because they had a bad experience at church sometime in the past. And often it's because of this. Often it's because somebody who was forgiven didn't forgive them. And somebody who wasn't accepted, or somebody who was accepted, forgot what it was like and didn't accept somebody else. And a lot of times the church doesn't reflect the heart of Jesus. And people walk in and they don't receive from people who have been forgiven, who have been accepted. Who have been loved they don't receive that from them because the people who are in the family forgot what it was like 
when they join the family. You may be here this morning and a part of you is like, you know what? I need to rededicate my life to the Lord because somebody hurt me and I took it out on Jesus. I walked away from Him because somebody who received something good from Him didn't pass it on to me. If that's you this morning, and you just say, you know what, I need to...